Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, and welcome to Eastland Baptist Church. We have something a little new for you this morning. If you're a visitor for us, you can text us. Pretty radical technological departure, and we're Baptists, yes. All right? So, but if you're old-fashioned and you write it, want to write it down, ushers will come forward and give you an usher's card. You know, if you're an old fogey like me and you don't want to text, you want to just write it down, you can do so. All right. Welcome to Eastland Baptist Church. God bless you today. I like writing it down, and I'm not an old fogey, okay? All right. A lot of little things I need to share with you this morning. Uh, welcome to all of you, uh, especially the folks at online at home. God bless you for uh, uh, coming in today. Um, you know, just singing those songs, praise him, praise him. Uh, I hope you enjoyed those songs, the songs that we sing here together. Um, we have a special guest. He's been here a few years, uh, uh, Brother Randy King. He's pastored up Wisconsin for years. Met him through uh, Stan Lemansky and his wife, Daniela. Uh, Stan was up there in Wisconsin, part of that church. Uh, Britt is also a uh, member of that church. And Brother King, you know, you know what it is when you pastored, people would say, oh, I know this wonderful evangelist. I know this wonderful pastor. You really need to have him. And you're like going, oh, gee whiz, here we go again, you know. And, um, but Brother Lemansky did a good job when he referred Brother King here. I uh, uh, let a lot of men preach this month, and uh, I can't wait to start preaching a lot again, but I'm going to enjoy sitting in the pew, taking in the Word of God. And I said all that, take a little time this morning, uh, because uh, I remember my dad, when he got saved at the age of 23, he started dating this girl named Dolores Dyer. She ended up being Dolores Green, and Miss Green back over here, my mom. But he, I remember he told the story, he'd pull up to the church, and back in Knoxville, they had the windows open to the church. And they, you pull in a gravel driveway, and my dad would just, when he got saved, boy, he's just excited about being saved. Man, he'd just read the Word of God all the time. And uh, his girlfriend would make him late for church, you know, sometimes. And he would hear the singing coming out the windows, and she'd be walking, and he'd almost want to run into the church to get in on that. I pray that's the way you came today. I know if you came here expecting and looking something from God, and if you're hurting in your life, you'd be looking, you'd be listening to the Word of God. I promise you, I've been there before, God will deliver in your life today. I said all that to say uh, some more things. Uh, you know, uh, we've gone through a year of this uh, virus in the world, we tried to keep some normalcy around here. We pushed forward, uh, helping other ministries, opening our school up, uh, having services a lot. But there are people who still get this uh, a virus. Uh, Miss Yvonne Wilson is finally recovering. It was very hard on her. Uh, dear lady sits right over here. I got to visit her this week. So keep praying for her. Jim and Linda Hurst sit right here in the middle. Uh, Linda has the virus, and so pray for her. Also, a Jeff Bartlett. I've uh, been asked to pray for from Texas, has the virus. Uh, and then also Michael Jeroche. Mrs. Jeroche is a part of our church. Her son has MS, and um, he's had infections and uh, been very, very shaky. He's supposed to have a kidney stone operation tomorrow, but uh, there's just complications, you know. So pray for Michael Jeroche, if you would, please, for that surgery tomorrow, that it can go forth. 
And um, then also, Edith and Leonard London have not been here this year, uh, an older couple in our church. And uh, they had their apartment flood this week, and it's, it's just a mess for them. And uh, also, he is in, a, I've been told, a semi-coma by, coma by Dr. Rockwell. Uh, he takes dialysis, and they're trying to decide whether to give him dialysis or not in the family. So it's a very critical thing. And a lot of you don't know these people, even though they come here, and because it's been a long time since, since they've been here. And I hope you'll pray for these folks. They're in great need in their life right now. And I always say that one day it's going to be our turn, and we're going to need the prayers, and you hope someone will stop and pray. Also, uh, Miss Glenda Coy, uh, recovering from her surgery, uh, pray for her. Judy Bartlett, who's just a, she's a dear lady. She sits over here. I, I've become such good friends with her. She's going through uh, some treatment right now, uh, and so pray for her. And then you were telling me about a pastor in Leesburg. You're going to be there Wednesday night, a young pastor, Eustace. What was his name again? Tim Manus, okay. We prayed for him a few months ago. His wife had, had cancer, brain cancer. They have three small children. She just delivered a three-month-old child. And uh, they told her that she should probably have an abortion so she could get treatment, and she refused the treatment to deliver the child. That's pretty admirable. I think that, and uh, he's going to be preaching here there Wednesday night, and uh, the, the, the wife is not expected to live more than a couple weeks. So uh, you pray for Tim Manis and his wife and those three children and that church up there. There's great needs out there. I got problems, but I don't have problems like these folks. And then lastly, uh, Brother uh, uh, Newby, uh, in two weeks uh, on a Wednesday night, the first week in uh, um, February. I would get there. Just hang on. All right. All right. I'm not an old fogey, okay? All right. Um, Six-week series on marriage is called Love and Respect. I saw Love and Respect. I'm going, I thought this was about marriage. Okay? No. We have to laugh about it. Marriage is not an easy thing. In our society, there is no nurturing of marriage. There is no nurturing of a family. It's a biblical thing. It's been thrown aside by our culture. And I wish every one of you were going to go to it. I do more counseling in these types of areas than I want to do. Go there. Be, uh, what's the word, uh, proactive. Uh, go there to learn something to help someone else's marriage. Go to it. It'll be on Wednesday nights for six weeks. If you ever think about getting married, go to it and learn ahead of time what you need to be looking for. Go to this training, okay? I won't matter. It doesn't matter to me how many folks are here on Wednesday night when I'm teaching. They'll be holding the victory hall. So please sign up. I think about 30 people have signed up. I don't care if 300 signed up. Hey, let's pray. I'm done, all right? Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can come together and lift up your name and say, praise him, praise him. The Lord, you, you alone are worthy of praise. You created us after your own image. You sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to die for our sins. We should praise you all the time. No doubt people have come here, some of them with heavy hearts and burdens, perplexing questions in their life. I pray they would open their hearts to your word and let you minister to them, dear Lord. I pray for our preacher today, that you would uh, 
give him comfort here, that he would feel at ease here in liberty to speak to our people today. Thank you for him and his dear wife being here. All these needs, boy, a lot of needs, dear God. Please bless all these folk. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
this particular Sunday has been designated. It was designated back by President Ronald Reagan as Sanctity of Life Sunday. It is a time which we remember an event that was something that has cost millions of lives, and that is the Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, our country uh, has, I believe, uh, has experienced judgment because of what has occurred and the loss of life, millions of babies that have been killed in the womb. And then on the other end of the spectrum, euthanasia, we have to guard against uh, not accepting the sanctity of life. And so this morning, that's the reason that video was shown, so that we once again remember that as a church and as individuals, we ought to stand for the right to life. We ought to stand for what is right and true, and that each one of us have that sanctity of life in our own soul. Amen. All right, let's stand together once more and think about the words of this hymn, Grace That Is Greater Than Our Sin. Just a couple of announcements before the uh, offering. Uh, Brother King will be speaking tonight in the evening service and then again on Tuesday uh, for the men's meeting. And that'll start right at uh, right around 6.15. There'll be a, a meal. You can come from work. And uh, then we'll have a meal together, fellowship together. It'll be a time of inspiration fellowship. I encourage you to come starting at 6.15 here at the church. I can't quite make it at 6.15. Come at 6.30 or quarter to 7. Just make your way here, men, if you will, if you can, right at 6.15 or a little later, if you will. And this coming Wednesday night, we are going to have with us Oliver and Gloria Williams. They're missionaries to Peru. And he's been awarded by the government for many things that he's done while there. And uh, many, many people have been saved as a result of his ministry. I encourage you to come and be a part of that also.
here's a, a thought that, you know, many of us make in our resolutions for the new year. You know, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to, you know, I've got my app that tells me how many steps I'm going to take a day and all the different things. But here's a thought. What single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years or eternity? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What will you do that will last for eternity? Father, thank you that we have the opportunity again of being here this morning. I ask now that You'll bless this time that we spend together, the preaching of your word, the special music has already been prayed. But I pray that you help us focus upon the way that we can serve you and honor you and be a blessing to others. And you said in your word that you know our thoughts, you know our ways, and you know our direction. And I pray that you'll help us this year to be focused upon you. And whatever it is that we do can last for eternity. And so, Father, we take this offering now and give it to you for your honor and your glory. We thank you again for our salvation and eternal life. And we'll give you the honor and glory for the, all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the offering.
circumstances, things my heart just could not understand. Many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision, and my frustrations get so out of hand. Oh, that's when I am reminded that I've never been forsaken. He gave his life. What more could he give? Let's stand and stretch one last time before the preaching of God's word.
be seated. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Turn in your Bibles, Matthew 28 and Hebrews chapter 5. Matthew 28 and Hebrews chapter 5. I am Randy King and my wife Lori is back there by uh, Stan and Danielle. And of course, Brittany is one of our dear, dear friends. Uh, Britt, I guess, uh, here. We, we used to call her Brittany. But um, wow, if you can only come to one service, tonight would be the one to come to. I always want to encourage you to be back. I'm excited and honored. I love Pastor Green and this church, and I feel at home here. You've made me feel so welcome. I do want to mention, Pastor asked me to mention the book table in back. When I pastored in Wisconsin, uh, one of the, the great thoughts, someone said, the problem with most churches is they're answering questions that nobody's asking. But somewhere between that truth and hey, we just have to preach to felt needs, somewhere in the middle is I have to declare the whole counsel of God. My responsibility before God is to give people the truth from the Word of God. And so I asked our people, hey, what questions do you have that you wish someone would answer? Or, hey, you're witnessing to someone and they ask you a question that's somewhat perplexing or vexing, and you just don't know what to say, if you'll write it down, I'll do my best to set them in order and try to answer those questions the best I can from the Bible. And so uh, I believe any question, any inquirer, be they pauper or prince, if they ask a sincere question, it deserves a sincere answer. And so... Um, each of these, if you look in the front page, there's 10 different lesson series as I pastored, as a senior pastor for 25 years, I tried to answer questions that people asked. Um, if somebody prays every day, does that mean they're saved? Uh, can someone be saved out of the wrong Bible? Can a person be saved anytime they want to be? If a person claims to be saved but never shows any fruit, are they really saved? Isn't everything predestined? What about the charismatics losing their salvation? If a person uses a credit card, is he an antichrist? That was a few years ago. But I'm saying uh, these came from real people. One of the lesson series called Principles, I want to encourage you to get. I only have a couple copies here, but so often we manage our lives with a wrong perspective. This lesson series says, hey, here are the Bible principles that we guide our life by. Here are the convictions I have personally. Here's our standards that I set in my life. And here's some preferences that I have. And then here are some hang-ups that people have. So as an example, I have a principle that says my body is to please the Lord. And I have a conviction that I'm going to try to do things to help the body stay healthy. And one of the standards I set is I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't have a Bible command that says thou shalt not smoke Marlboro. 
I, have, I understand. I have a principle. I have a personal conviction. I set a standard. And then I have a preference. Hey, I prefer not to work in a place where everybody's smoking or whatever, right? But I'm saying so often in our fundamental churches, people take preferences and exalt them up like there's some kind of Bible command. And so it was an attempt to teach our people to be balanced in all of this. Holy plus happy, I guess, is what my, my mantra was. So, all right, enough of that. Matthew 28. This church and every church has their constitution bylaws, and one of the things it'll have early in the game is our purpose. And we're here, a church is for the assembling and the worship and the glorifying of God. And our purpose is found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And so this is very common. I'm just, it's plain as a mud fence, but we want to start here. I don't know you, uh, every one of you, but when I was 18 years old, I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I went from an ain't to a saint. I didn't deserve it then, I don't deserve it now, but I'm mighty glad someone showed me the claims of Jesus Christ on my life, and I humbled myself, repented of my sins, and called on the Lord. Now, I've never gotten over it. I knew what I was being saved from and what I was saved for and what I'm saved to, and I'm happy as a clam. But Matthew 28, 19, and 20, God, once I was saved, could just knock me in the head and take me to heaven. Hey, I'm signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm already there. But he had a purpose for me in this life. He wants me to be a witness, an ambassador. We, he wants me to represent him on this earth. And so he gives these marching orders. It's in each of the Gospels, but framed here in Matthew 28. Notice it says in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Bless our time around the scriptures. Lord, would you come to church today? Would your Holy Spirit be the teacher? Would you take the word of God? And as the choir sang, Lord, uh, speak to hearts, minister to hearts meet needs. Lord, perhaps there's one among us that's not saved. May this day be the day they get that settled. But for the host of Christians that are here, Lord, we want to grow in grace. We want to be more conformed to your image. We want to be more like you. And I do pray you'd bless as we look into your word. Help us with that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a little nervous with the choir behind me. You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln let a guy sit behind him once, and that was, that was the end of that. I just, but hear me carefully. The Bible, when it says, go ye therefore, it's kind of, these are the marching orders. We make no apologies. We say, every Christian, once you're saved, you should want to please the Lord. We were created for his pleasure, Revelation 4.11, and for his glory in Isaiah 50. And so... We, you're here to glorify God, to please him, not to please yourself. And he says, go, go, go. 
you, you got saved, and there's all kinds of people out there that aren't saved, and you've got to take the message to them. You go. It's an initiative that you, you take. Hey, somehow I'm going to be used to reach others. And it says, teach all nations. In other words, everybody, man, woman, boy, or girl, every race, every color, every creed, every background, it doesn't matter where they come from, he wants them saved. And then go you teach, and then baptize them. They're commanded to be baptized, but we're commanded to baptize them. Why? To picture their following of the Lord Jesus Christ, his example. It just makes them wet. It doesn't make them more saved. But it shows their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a public proclamation. Like when a guy joins the army, he goes down to the recruiter and he signs the papers. He's enlisted. But I'll tell you what, when they take him down to the center where he gets his hair cut off, and he gets his green outfit on, and then when he walks out, now everybody knows he's in the army. And that's kind of the way baptism is. Hey, you're saved by faith, uh, by grace. It's in, inside your heart. But when you get baptized, you say, hey, I'm a Christian. I've openly declared I'm a follower and a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a public proclamation. But And then it says, and teaching them to observe all things. And so, Wow, it's a thick book. And every pastor, he's trying to teach them from generations to revolutions. And he's, he's going to teach them the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles and the 12 foundations. And he's going to help them with prayer and their family and repentance and forgiveness. He's going to help them get victory over bitterness. And, and then he's going to tithe. Uh, he's going to teach them how to serve. He's got a, a whole book to declare to his congregation. It's a monumental task for a pastor to declare the whole counsel of God. And so we often say kind of euphemism and pastoral conferences and stuff. We say, you know, I got a job. Win them, wet them, and work them. <laughs> get them saved, get them baptized, and get them busy. Get them growing. They go from the milk of the word, the bread of the word, the meat of the word. They go from being a babe in Christ to being of full age. They go from being rotten heathens to being holy. We're perfecting them. He gave apostles for the perfecting of the saints, the Bible says. And so, wow, we get this. We understand it. But there's a secret, and that is pastors know this. If you can get someone serving... Why they begin to take ownership in the church. It's not what that church does, it's what our church does. Our church has a food ministry. Our church has a bus ministry. Our church has a school. Our church, and what, what, what we find is they try, we, we try as pastors to get people engaged. We say there's an imaginary line in front of the first row of pews. And the health of the church is determined by how many people you can get to cross that line. If I can get someone, he's a Christian, he's saved, and I ask him to come up and pray for the offering. I get somebody to come up and give their testimony. I can get someone to come up and sing in the choir. 
I can get somebody to come up and maybe lead songs. I can get somebody to come up and read a poem. And not just this pulpit, but driving a bus or teaching a class or serving in the school. or What, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get them to have ownership. The question always comes up, hey, should I get them cleansed and perfected and vessels fit for the master's use and then engage them? Do I have to wait till they have total victory of everything in their life? I mean, after all, we don't want to have anybody who's not perfect. Well, the only pastor who thinks that his church is perfect is the guy that does not know his congregation. It's just a bunch of sinners in one spot. Your soul is saved. Your spirit's redeemed. But you still have the same body of flesh hanging around your soul that you ever had. And you're capable of every rotten thing that anybody is in the flesh if you let it run you. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, the whole world groaneth and travaileth for now, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of this body. Paul writes in Romans 7, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There's a rule. I would do good, but sin remains in me. I, I can't wait to get a new body. But wow, there's a principle in John 14. We won't take time to, to... But a pastor has to cross this line. He makes this decision. Do I use people who aren't perfect in the ministry here? And the question is an obvious yes. It's an obvious yes. Why? Romans 14, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I'm a, I'm a, a farmer, and I have an orchard. And this purging, he's talking about the vine, the vineyard, the husbandman pruning branches, that's the guy that cares for a vineyard or an orchard. And wow, here's an apple tree, and it's got all these branches. But some of those branches are what we call sucker branches. They grow up, and wow, they have leaves on, but they don't have any apples on. And wow, they're siphoning moisture and nutrients and absorbing the sunshine, but they're not producing anything. And it sounds harsh, but I take the pruners out in January or February when the sap is down and will do the least damage, when it has a chance to heal, and I prune off this sucker branch and leave this healthy branch, and this sucker branch and leave this healthy branch. I get rid of that which is unproductive and so that it can be more productive. And so when the Bible principle in John 14, every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. So, hey, I get it. I have 10 things in my life, but a couple of these are counterproductive. I have these habits, but some help my marriage and some don't. I want to get rid of the things that are hindering me. I want to get rid of those things that are harming me, those things that are dragging me back. And so, wow, you say, well, Brother King, what if the guy still smokes? Okay, I'm probably not going to have him preach on Sunday morning, but 
He could come on Friday to the youth activity and he could guard the bathroom door. And if there's pandemonium in the boys' bathroom, he can swing the door open and say, come on, guys, wash your hands and get out of here. He's qualified for that. What about a gal who's uh, got kind of a not-so-good background and she's still wearing short shorts and halter tops? And I mean, what about her? Well, hey, maybe she could make treats for the nursery and bring them. Or she could make the sandwiches that go on the mission trip and she could, I'm saying, you find some way for them to bear fruit and so God can begin to prune the branches so they can bring forth more fruit. That's the pastor's challenge. I got to get them from wherever I find them to where they ought to be. And people say, well, Brother King, you, you had a guy, and I know, I know he's still got brandy in his cupboard and you let him sing in the choir. I wish it wasn't so. But listen, in front of me, I've had homosexuals, murderers, bank robbers, prostitutes. I've had it all. And that was just the deacons. <laughs> I lied about that. But you understand... I don't have these illusions of grandeur that everybody in front of me is perfect just because they put a shirt and tie on. My goodness. If you want to know the worst truth about a guy, let his wife talk to you. She'll, she'll tell you. No, no. I never had these pretensions. It's a bunch of sinners all in one spot. But my job is, hey... Uh, he can save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him. And he ever lives, it says in Hebrews 7, to make intercession for us. I love the fact, if I didn't think the grace of God could take somebody from where they are and purge them and get them to where they ought to be, I'd get out of the preaching business. I'd go do something else. Because I believe, I've seen God work in my heart in hundreds and thousands of people's hearts and I'm so thankful that he's the, the one on the victory side. And he's the one that's leading and guiding us. And he's the one we answer to at the end of the day. They don't answer to Randy King. They answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not having dominion over their faith, but helpers to their joy. We're trying to help them. So, okay, so here's the climate. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Here's the church. Hey, I got this well-oiled machine. I got somebody. I'm getting them. I start them with annual events. Hey, we have the men's steak and shoot. Maybe you could be the guy that gets a trailer and a pickup truck, and you take the chairs out to our men's steak and shoot. Hey, maybe you could haul the grill, or maybe you could grill the T-bone steaks at our men's steak. You say, Pastor King, that guy still, I don't care. I don't care. I know what I'm doing. I'm trying to get him from here to there. Ultimately, he can go from an annual event to, hey, we have the ladies' meeting, and maybe you could hang the banner and the green taffeta up on the wall. The ladies are scared up on the ladder. I can find some place 
for them to serve. That's my challenge. You can be involved in the work of this ministry. But ideally, make no apologies about it. We're trying to get you to grow in grace and get to the place where, hey, you're here weekly and you take a weekly responsibility. So much so that if you're not there, we have to find a substitute for you. You're the one that oversees the nurseries. You're the one that drives the bus. You're the one. It's wonderful if you come on Friday and fill the bus up. But boy, we're counting on you to drive that on, right? We want you to be responsible weekly. Now, hear me. Our church started when I got saved. There was 30 or 40 people in our church. Today, we have 70 out in full-time ministry. Right? Wherever you get them. But make no apologies. We're trying to get you to give your life to Christ. And if he would open a door for you to serve, hey, wonderful. Now, all of this is working. We got it all going good. Woo, woo, woo. I got people. These guys head up the building ministry. These guys head up the aviation ministry. These guys fix airplanes. These guys we got, and they always help with the maintenance around the building. And this guy mows the lawn, and this, and I mean, it's wonderful. It's exciting. We got a full-blown choir. We got a full-blown orchestra. We got specials and quartets and youth ministry. We got a school. It's just fantastic. And instead of, hey, 10% of the people do 90% of the work, it's, hey, we want everybody engaged in some way. We're after you. We're trying to get you. Why? You have a flesh that says do less for God. You have a devil that says do less for God. You have a world that says do less for God. And you got a pastor who says, let's do more for God. Nobody is going to get to eternity and say, Wow, I should have listened to the world instead of the preacher. Nobody. We believe we're helping you. It's not use your people to build the church. It's use the church to build your people. Well, okay, so this is all going good. And March of 2020 hits. And a government edict comes down, and it's, hey, you can't have him per... Person services, hey, no, choir, hey, no. And in just a couple weeks' time, this well-oiled machine that's serving the Lord week in and week out, growing, serving, all of a sudden, we take everybody off the playing field and we put them up in the stands. You go home. And you just watch on live stream. And the pastors that all preached against TV evangelists, now they are one. <laughs> but hey, every place, I mean, I preached all last year. Every place I go, Brother King, can you believe it? Man, I was against this, but now we've got this live audience, even today. Thank you for listening. And wow, Brother King, we have a church of 50, but we have 500 people. 
clicking in on it, why our missionaries across the ocean, some of our members that are in the military, even the people that left disgruntled, they're watching to see what we're doing. Hey, even after this COVID stuff goes away, we're going to keep the live stream. It's a great outreach. What a wonderful ministry. And hey, did you know we have online giving? Push the button in the lower right corner. and Wonderful. Wonderful. No, no, no. We're not having Sunday school. No, no, we're not singing in the choir. No, uh, we're not doing our jail ministry right now. No, no, we're not able to have the rest home services we were doing in three different facilities. No, no, the, the jail ministry we don't do. And no, we're not knocking doors. People get mad. And we're not doing the food distribution. And no, no, no. And every pastor, every pastor across this country is saying, well, you know, hey, we got to be safe out there. And, you know, but, but deep down in the core of his being, He says, wait a second. This is not healthy. This is not sustainable. We do what we have to do for an emergency. But we have got to get back to doing church. So now they're on this, hey, how can we prudently, carefully do it but with great passion, get back engaging people in ministry and services. Hey, they're studying. We're doing lesson series. We're going to do Acts 2. We're going to show them. They assemble together for prayer and breaking of bread and ministry. We're going to show them. Hey, they went out two by two and the 70 were sent in Luke 10. And we're going to, I mean, Brother King, I'm crafting lessons. We've got to somehow, every pastor perplexed struggling. He, uh, what can I get my people doing? Well, um, we, we couldn't go on the f- mission trip, so nobody could organize that. I got one new ministry. I got a guy who runs our camera now. I got another guy. He's archiving all our old sermons and putting them on the website. So I got two ministry going. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to pry open the door. We've got to start meeting. But we don't want to turn Christianity into a spectator sport. Win them, wet them, work them. Look with me at Hebrews 5. This is a marvelous section in the book of Hebrews where Paul is admonishing them and telling how Jesus, the theme of Hebrews is better, better, better. New covenant, better sacrifice, all of this kind of stuff. And if you just glance at Hebrews 7, uh, in verse number 25, wherefore he is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, for such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. How wonderful the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. But, you know, he's writing to the Hebrews, and of course, they, you know, hey, we're Jews. They could strut sitting down, they're Jews. We have Abraham as our father, and 
were Jews. And of course, Hebrews, he's, he's convinced, just because you're a Jew doesn't make you right. You had the law and you had the oracles and you had the testimonies and you should be God's people, but it's by faith in Jesus Christ, not in your religion. Amen. So he's going to rebuke them. You know, a lot of the Bible is written as kind of an encouragement and the promises, but there's some admonitions and some rebukes. And the old, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? And in this chapter 5, you get down toward the end. He's talking again about Jesus in verse 10, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And it says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. You get the idea he's about to say something that's not a compliment. And he says, you're dull of hearing. They had trusted their self-righteousness and the law instead of in Christ. But notice here it says in verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of meat, milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason, and here's the phrases, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He says, hey, you should know right from wrong of all people. You're the Jews. And he says, at the time where you guys ought to be the teachers, you have need that somebody teach you the first principles. And I know it's a little out of context to apply it to a local church in the New Testament 2021, but I'm saying, hey, when you ought to be teachers, now we're starting all over again. We're starting all over again. Hey, teachers, if you think of our goal for you, we have designs on you. We have ulterior motives. We're trying to get you. My goal for you is to be a teacher. Here's where you were, and ultimately why I want you to be a teacher. Out of your belly should flow rivers of living water. You might be a Sunday school teacher. You might be teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You might be instructing people in deaf sign language. You might be discipling someone one-on-one. -on -one. You might be giving your personal testimony as a witness, but you teaching the Word of God in some fashion, some format, some way. It's If you take it in, take it in, take it in, and never give it back out, hey, that's not healthy. You have to find a way to express your faith and to get the Word out to people. And so here we have this going, teaching, baptizing, and teaching them all things. And Paul says to the Hebrews, hey, if the time came, you ought to be teachers, and yet you're the one that needs to be taught again. And he says, milk belongs to babies. Pastor Nelson, the guy that led me to Christ, he, he had a saying. He said, I don't mind putting the bottle in your mouth, but I'm not going to part your whiskers to do it. There comes a time that you've got to grow up. 
There comes a time where you got to stride forth and take responsibility. There comes a time, here it says at the end of the chapter, the, the strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised thereby. In other words, you know the Word of God. You're handling the Word of God. You're teaching the Word of God. You're, hey, I'm using this. This is how you flex your muscles. This is how you grow. This is how you mature. Here's how you become those that get strong meat. And so now the pastor, here he is. Mm, no, they won't let us go visit the hospital. No, they won't let us visit the nursing home. No, we can't do jail and prison. No, we're not running the van. No, we're not. I'll tell you what's happened. Everything resembling outreach is what's still missing. Now, I'm glad you can come. I'm glad you can watch. But make no mistake about it. We're trying to get back to the place where you are serving Jesus Christ. You say, well... Uh, our deacon's still deek. The treasure comes and counts the money. Right. But who are we reaching out to? I'm not, listen, I, this isn't new to me. My Saturday, Monday ministry has been more important than my Sunday ministry. I listen to pastor after pastor after pastor cry his eyes out. Brother King, things were going so well, and then this hit. Hey, the offerings are okay. Missions is still being supported. But Brother King, we've got to get our people back on the front lines. Amen. We've got to get them engaged again. And I'm saying to you folks, no pastor is smart enough, clever enough, spiritual enough, broad-based enough, cosmopolitan enough, whatever... He doesn't know what everybody's supposed to be doing. He just knows Christians should be in Christian service somehow. And my challenge to you, listen, this isn't rocket science. It's not some new thing. But in this setting, could you ask God, Lord, show me what I could honorably and uprightly do? It's kind of a weird situation. Things may get back to normal after the vaccine. I don't know. I heard a guy the other day say, this, this virus is mutating, and we're probably going to, every person in America is going to have to get five or six virus vaccines every year. Well, I think a whole bunch of us are going to die before we do that. I mean, I don't, I don't even begin to know. But I do know this. We have marching orders from the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. And he says we're supposed to be busy. The king's business requires haste. He says we're to be serving. He says go ye therefore. And so my challenge is just this. Could you ask God, Lord, lead my pastor as we honorably and carefully, prudently try to get back doing things in some sense of normalcy. But while we're in this twilight, show me, 
show me, show me what I could honorably do to reach lost souls, to advance the cause of Christ, to help bring people to the Lord and get them in church. Lord, show me, open an avenue, open. All across this country, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I took a job as a guy that bags groceries. They still have groceries. And so I bag groceries. And then if I can strike up a conversation with people as I walk to their car, I hand them a track. Losers make an excuse. Winners make a way. With the help of God, could you find a way to express your faith if you're waiting for the church to come up with a program, you're going to be waiting a long time. We're talking about you going to God Almighty for what you ought to be doing with the help of the Holy Spirit. Could you do that? Heads bowed and eyes closed today. I wouldn't hurt you for the world, but I'm so passionate the church is God's instrument. The church is God's body. The church is God's vehicle for this to be done. Lord, help us. The church had a setback. The church had people that were on the playing field up in the stands, and now we got to get back in the battle, back in the fight, back in the game. Lord, I pray that you would give real direction to these sweet folks. Lord, they love you, many of them saved for years and years. And now, Lord, would you open a door, show them a way, open an avenue, give them boldness, give them courage, give them passion. Lord, with the carefulness that the day requires, would you help us get back to building souls, teaching the Word of God, preaching the gospel or here and around the world. Lord, I don't know what that means for some sweet lady on the right side or some young man on the left. Or I don't know how it's going to look two months from now and what's going to be possible and prudent and what's not. But, Lord, I pray this church would never miss a stride, but that they who ought to be teachers would get back to doing what you've called us to do. Open doors, enable, strengthen, give perception and insight and wisdom and direction. God, we need your help for that. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder, all over the house, if you could just quietly stand with me, just everyone over the house, standing with me, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed, and I'm going to ask if the pianist would be in to play. And if you'd like to take a moment at the altar or in your pew and just say, Lord, show me. God, speak to me. God, lead me. If the church is going to be as healthy as it ought to be, if the ministry is going to be what it ought to be, then Lord, help me do my part. I don't want to wait for somebody else. God, show me what I could do. I'm pleading with you today. Mount the hill. Take your place. And you be one of those that leads by example. Heavenly Father, thank you for these.
This is your church. These are your people. Lord, your word says, hey, you can't just be a hearer. You got to be a doer. Win them, wet them, and work them. Get them saved, get them baptized, get them busy. Lord, show us. Guide our pastor, protect his thoughts, guard our testimony, use us in a mighty way. I just want to ask maybe this morning there's someone at home watching on live stream or someone here in this auditorium who say, Pastor Green, I'm not sure that my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure that I'm on my way to heaven. But I know I want the forgiveness of sins. I want to know Christ. And you say, Pastor, as you're closing the service, praying for people, would you pray for me? Because today's the day I want to know that I'm forgiven of my sins. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like me to pray for you, would you lift your hand just for one moment and just leave it up for a second? A hand over here, a hand in the back there, another hand over here. God bless you. Thank you so much. I see those hands. Father, I pray for these people. I pray for the word that's been preached to us today. We don't need a program to love people, to be obedient to your word and, and share the gospel. Dear God, I know what it is to be nervous and not understand what your will for my life or how I'm going to do it and wrestling with you. And I pray for those who are wrestling with you right now that you'd make clear and you'd give them the courage and the grace to do what you need them to do through this time that our country is going through, dear Lord, in our community. I pray also for those who raise their hands and maybe some at home that are watching who want to know that they can be forgiven of their sins. Right now where they are, if they just say to you dear god i know that i'm a sinner but then the next breath say but i believe that you sent jesus to die for my sins and with all my heart dear god i ask jesus christ to forgive me and to save me you promised in your word that if we would believe and call on your name that you would forgive us dear god you look on the heart so i pray you're looking at their hearts right now and they're crying out to you and asking for that forgiveness. Give them peace, dear God. Help them to trust your word. I pray you bless this time with singing, this opportunity to maybe in this verse come and kneel at the altar and pray. Ask, Come and ask for help and guidance in our walk. Whatever the need, I pray we do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're standing, will we sing this verse of invitation right now? Stand. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I God bless you. Be seated just for a minute, please. I hope it's been a good week for you. There's more opportunity than ever to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I had a good week and uh, had some good things happen. I got to talk to four different young people this week.
uh, that uh, have trusted Christ as their Savior and want to follow him in baptism. So I'm going to be choosing a Sunday morning uh, to bring them all together to uh, publicly as the pastor is preaching this morning and have them identify with Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior and you've never followed him, been obedient in baptism, I encourage you to come talk to me or one of the pastors and you get in on that, amen, and start doing what God wants you to do, okay? Yes, Brother Leroy. Enrique has come for, uh, to join the church this morning. Come on up here, Enrique. Enrique, okay, what's this for? You don't have your microphone. Okay, yeah. Enrique, am I on, guys? I'm on, okay. Um, Enrique's been coming here a long time. I didn't know you weren't a member, brother. Find a pretty girl. Hope we don't take you this long to ask her to marry you. I'm telling you. Enrique, I'm, I think we know this. We see it in your life, but you need to confess with your mouth. You know that you're trusting Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir. Okay. You've heard his testimony of salvation. All those who are in favor of receiving him into our church, the way we receive members, let it be known by a good hearty amen. Amen. All those opposed by like sign. We're going to, I think we're, oh, we've got to take an offering. Go ahead and sit down just for a second. Brother Leroy, bring him back up, and y'all come on around and welcome him on board, okay? God bless you. Ushers, we have the ushers come up. Ushers coming up. Brother Newby will take it from here. want to remind all of the couples that we do have a sign-up sheet in the back for the uh, Love and Respect uh, Marriage uh, Seminar that we're going to be doing uh, right beside the book table. So go by the book table and just right to the other table. We're going to have a, a special offering for uh, Brother King. And uh, he's been a blessing to you. I know he has to me. So let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, thank you so much for allowing us once again to be in your house. Thank you for the words that Brother King gave to us, that we have a part, each one of us, in the ministry that you have given to us. So, Father, help us to seek you for that part. Father, we ask that you would, we would be a blessing to Brother King and uh, pray that this offering that we receive would go to further his ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and dismiss the chorus of He Lives. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation. 
forget to come around and welcome Enrique on board. Choir practice at 4.30. Thank you.